I want to say I am really excited for our first official actual product person interview. So welcome. Thank you for having me. Welcome to another episode of All the Responsibility, None of the Authority, a podcast for product managers, marketers, innovators, and entrepreneurs. I'm Rob McGrody, alongside my co-host, Niels Davis. Like you heard in the intro clip, we're very excited to serve up our first interview. Niels and I were lucky enough to get a hold of the very busy Hubert Palan, a serial entrepreneur building a tool for product leaders by the name of Product Board, which we'll hear about soon. Hubert has an interesting story, as you'll hear, going from management consulting through an MBA program with Steve Blank at UC Berkeley and finding success with various startups, including Good Data, where he grew alongside the company and its success to become the VP of product management all before leaving to found Product Board. Just last month, Product Board launched with very positive feedback, and we'll dive into that story over this two-part interview. Hope you enjoy. So, Hubert, how did you get started in product management? Um, so, my journey actually started it's like 10, 15 years back in management consulting. And I started at Accenture. And uh, I wasn't really a product manager, but I was on uh, large software integrations projects and big data warehouse implementations. And it was more of a project management role, but there was a little bit of you know, feature prioritization and decision making around what the what the data warehouses should do for people and it it also involved collection of information from the stakeholders <clears throat> internally inside the banks um so that was kind of the early early days but then later on i got here to the us eight years ago to get my mba at berkeley and i uh, and i got stuck into the startup ecosystem and uh, i've been through three startups and now i'm doing my own company and in the in the startups, I was always the product person because uh, I had the advantage of understanding technology because previously I got also a master's in computer science. And um, I also had the business side. So I could go and I took talk to users and, you know, interview them and understand um, or try to understand what their problems were and then translated it into requirements for the product. And, you know, those were small teams, small startup teams um, initially. So... I kind of had to do everything, you know, assess the, the pain and problems of the people as well as come up with the solutions. Um, but later on, I I joined um, a company called Good Data when it was a still small six-people uh, company here in the San Francisco office. And uh, eventually the company grew to 300 people and $100 million raised. And uh, I grew with the company to the VP product management. And so at that time, um, I was running a large team of around 15 people, the whole front, front end product management, user experience, you know, product, product marketing, all, all uh, different uh, roles uh, that kind of are not just product managers, but people involved in decision makings around products. So product marketers, as, as I mentioned as well. So it was kind of my journey. Um, and I love product management. I must say that making decisions for our products, understanding uh, what are the needs and problems of people, customers, uh, it's you're kind of like a detective. You know, you're like a Sherlock Holmes going out there and trying to figure out what issues people have, and then find out solutions. And that's that's exciting. 
That's great. Now, good data is not defunct, right? It's still a growing company. It's still doing pretty well. I'm sure that we could get you back for another couple episodes on dealing with the VP title and how that relates to being a product manager and all those great things. But what made you decide to leave? Well, you know, product management is a hard job. And um, it was kind of like herding cats, you know, and as you know, the the advantage of having a team is that obviously you have you have uh, people who can help with uh, the different aspects of the product decision making and product marketing and all that, but it also creates issues with uh, aligning everyone and uh, you know getting everyone on the same page when it comes to what is it that we are building and why, most importantly, for whom. And um, so, good data being a very complex product and um, kind of in some cases suffering with uh, trying to do too many things at the same time as is very typical for startups that are looking for, you know, ideal product market fit and the ideal target segment in the marketplace. I was frustrated that I didn't really have tools that would help me with the decision making and understanding what are the biggest problems of what customer segments out there. And, um, you know, I had all all the tools uh, for the engineering part of the product management. I had Jira and I had Asana. We had, you know, Trello as well. Uh, and all these tools help. Tools helped us kind of to put together a big, long backlog of functionality that we could uh, one day, uh, hopefully, uh, build. But there was no context of you know who are the features relevant for. Like you try to tag it here and there, and you try to organize somehow. But these tools are really not designed for that. There's no concept. There's no entity, logical entity of a customer. There's no entity of a problem. You know how important the problem is or or isn't. Um, so it ends up being a long list and it's very difficult to kind of get everyone on the same page in terms of what is important to whom and why, and then make an informed product decision. And so that's why I decided to leave because I saw this as an opportunity to create a product that would help product managers and product, you know, I, I, I really talk about product leaders usually because as I mentioned, it's product managers, it's product marketers in smaller companies, it's, you know, the CEO who's making product decisions. Um, and so I wanted to create a, a solution, SaaS solution that would help with the product decision making and ultimately help people make better products. Nice. So what I'm hearing, just to summarize, make sure I'm on the same page, is you had a great product, you had a good engineering team, and as the company grew, which is a good thing, something that everybody tries to do, it actually yep. magnified the problem of weeding through the noise to find the signal of what the next stage for the product should be, what the next enhancement should be. And it seems like the other side of that was also getting everyone on the same page to understand that vision and be able to move forward without necessarily micromanaging. Is that fair? Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, the the signal to noise ratio, that's that's an important aspect because um, as, as, as you mentioned, the uh, the information so you're bombarded with information from so many different sources, right? You have the customer interviews, feature requests from you know variety of feature request forums. Uh, there's insights hidden in support tickets and um, just in general support conversations. There's loss interviews that you do. There's obviously um, market research, industry analysts talking to you, salespeople are talking with um, prospects and customers and are hearing requests. Uh, then you get the engagement data uh, from from the usage of the product itself. There's so many facets of information, and um, 
you know, finding the key insights in those and really understanding what are the biggest opportunities, what are the biggest problems of, of the biggest customer segments that you could address. That's the detective work that I talked about. And so that's what I'm solving with Product Board. I'm really interested in, obviously, Niels can back me up here, that this is a particular interest of mine, especially as a company grows. As you grew, there's sort of a methodology behind the weighting of those different information sources, right? So even if you can get it all into a single place that you can see, at some point, there must be a philosophical decision of what matters more. Where did you fall, or where do you fall even today, in that philosophical spectrum of listening to every current customer, paying attention to the ones who left, identifying the sales opportunities versus uh, what I'd say people attribute to Steve Jobs is the whole don't listen to the people you're talking to today, think about the people you're thinking about tomorrow and anticipate, sort of predict what it is they're going to ask for. Yeah, this is, I mean, the key, I think that the key um, to understand and to focus on is um, to focus on the problems that people have. And, you know, the problems, there are some problems and those familiar with jobs to be done um, will we'll understand what I'm talking about, jobs to be done framework. Um, there are some problems that people have that are long-term, like, you know, desire for information, the whole Maslow's pyramid of needs and, you know, like long-term uh, problems that we have in our lives and the solutions just improve and they get better and better, right? So the Ford's horse was a solution for getting from point A to point B and car is a better solution for that and there will be even better solutions in the future. Um, and so the key is to understand these problems. And then everybody said those problems, they are kind of a little more transient and they change faster. And these are problems that are uh, created by other solutions that we've built, right? Like if you need to fill up a car with gas, it's a problem that you wouldn't have if you didn't have the car. Um, so the reason why I'm talking about is that, that as the as company grows, and even if, I mean, if you're a small startup, you need to identify, you know, a small set of problems because obviously you can't solve everything. As the company and the product grows, you have more and more requirements and there's more and more people who ask you to <clears throat> add functionality. And there the critical, critical thing is not to think about the functionality and the features, it's still to think about the problems and make sure that everyone on the team understands these problems and only then have the conversation around well, what are the features that we should build? And so, you know, kind of the sales-driven culture that we see in many companies where you just collect feature requests and typically, unfortunately, it's the sales team who, you know, with the best of intentions, uh, the sales guys go out and they ask um, for what, what would you like to have in the product and so on. So, and then it creates this long list of features and then, you know, product managers are not really product managers. They're more like product janitors, just, you know, looking at the features and making sure that they satisfy the biggest and loudest customers. And that's not the way to do it, right? The way to do it is to always ask, why do you want a certain feature? What is the problem that you're trying to solve? And then align the whole team around, like, you know, think about it as a simple matrix, right? So just like put the different problems that you hear from people in rows and uh, the different customer segments, the clusters of people uh, into columns because different groups of people have different problems. And then, you know, fill out the matrix and you'll see how, how sparse or not it is. And then you need to have the hard conversation with the team 
talking about where are we going to focus, which of these segments that we have here are we going to focus on, and which of the problems are we going to focus on, um, and in what order. Because, again, you can build everything at the same time if you, if you try to satisfy everyone. Um, I mean, you know, either you run out of money or you build a mediocre solution, or you're just going to be slow and competition will you know, run ahead of you because they did focus and they built a better solution for a very narrow problem and a, and a narrow segment. And this is, so, you know, we had this problem with good data and I think that we made many, many mistakes over the, over the years of building the company um, with regard to that you kind of put together this matrix and then it's difficult for you to understand how painful the problem is and how, dif- how big the market is. And so you kind of, try not to put all the eggs in the basket. And that's a typical thing of startup, you know, founders, CEOs is, oh, I need to diversify to know where exactly the market will be. And therefore I'm going to be, you know, building functionality for different segments. And then later on, I'll see which one is the right one and where the biggest product market fit is. And then I'll focus there. But it rarely happens that the focus happens because at the time, Typically, the products are bloated with features and it's kind of difficult to cut and you already have paying customers. So, you know, the, what, what, I'm, what I'm talking about is that we had these growing pains in, in uh, good data. Um, and I've, you know, since I started Product Board, I'm doing research, right? As Steve Blank, who was my professor at, at the Haas uh, during my MBA, taught us well to go out and and learn and research and listen to people. So I've talked to like thousand product managers, probably more by now. And um, this is a typical scenario. It's, you know, there's too much noise. Uh, People don't understand. The teams don't understand the problems and the segments properly. Personas help, right? As the designers kind of solution for this information overload, let's align, let's get aligned around certain uh, segments and visualize them with personas. But, you know, as, as Marty Kagan puts it, the biggest source of the best ideas is your engineering team. And, you know, show me companies and how many companies are there that actually really involve the engineering team early on around the discussion or in the discussion around, hey, guys, here are the problems. Here are the people that have the problems. Let's figure out the best solutions. And so companies that have this type of discussion and that are not feature and sales driven, they are the ones that build the best winning products. And um, so that's, you know, you're asking me philosophically, that's where I stand and that's what we're, what we're also doing now with product board and how we approach our product management process. Nice. So that sounds like you're taking, I mean, product board is obviously solving a large majority of the problems of collecting the data, centralizing it, visualizing it in a way that can be understandable. But at the end of the day, you're also putting that in front of the engineers to come up with effective solutions in front of the designers to make sure that they understand uh, the problems that customers are having, and then ideally, by the time you're done, you'll have a product with a minimal feature set that really delights those same target customers, and therefore makes your sales team happy. Yeah, and I don't want this to sound as a you know product board. I'm I'm not selling product board here. I'm really sharing my product management experience. But imagine the world where really the engineers don't get a specification to build, but they get set of problems with the right context of who's having these problems, examples of the specific quotes and conversations where people voice these problems. And suddenly they understand why, you know, this problem is important to solve and they can use their 
amazing, creative, innovative brain power to solve them. And the same is with designers, right? Like how many companies are there where the design process, uh, the, the whole US pro UX process is kind of afterthought after the product management prioritize the functionality and only later the the UX people, they want to do it right and they go out and they start doing research and then they might discover that, you know, oh, wow, these, you know, we actually might not even need these features because the problems that the features are solving are not that painful for people. So maybe you shouldn't do it, but it's kind of too late because everyone's committed already to delivering the product and there's milestones and timelines and all that. So I, I envision a world where the teams that are multidisciplinary teams of product manager, designer, engineers, marketers, everyone who's involved um, in, in bringing the product to the market sees the full context of the problem, the customers, and then they figure out together the best solutions. And, you know, whether it's product board or whether it's other solution that helps you with that, um, you know, that, that whatever works best for the teams, but I believe that's how product management should be done. What do you think the business value of taking control of this process a little bit better would be? You have these products that I think the, the theory is or the, the idea behind what you're saying is that if you don't do what you're describing, then you're likely to create products that aren't successful, that don't sell, that don't make any money. So what do you, do you have a sense of the business value of solving that problem, you know, sort of what it's worth to a company or to the market overall? The, the biggest value in making products is in making the right decisions and in the high-level product stra strategic decisions of what is it going to solve and for whom. Because later on, if you choose, if you pick at the beginning the you know, problem that's, that's not as painful or is not for a significant market, it doesn't matter how well you design it. It doesn't matter how well um, you know, the, the, the product works in terms of functionality. It's just gonna be a mediocre product. Obviously, you know the wor <laughs> the worse the UX, the the more mediocre it's gonna be. But the key value, the this the the part of product management where you're making the strategic product decisions, which is at the beginning, that's where the biggest value is, and it's order of magnitude higher than the value that you create later down the road by efficiently managing the the process of building it. Of course, there's there's a lot of value as well because you know you can you can decrease uh waste and you efficiently uh manage the resources and projects and there's there's value that you're creating as well. But by by far and you know order of magnitude more value is created at the beginning when you're actually deciding about what to build for whom. So let's say we're part of the way through a product, right? I would hope that it's not beyond saving if people can refocus. One way of looking at this business value, I think, is to say, based on your thousands of interviews, what percent of time, both engineering, product, design, uh, you know, everybody who's involved in that process, what percentage of their time do you think is lost in the noise or in just trying to herd those cats? Percentage of time that's lost. Um, I don't know if you can, you know, I don't, and I, you know, I'd, I'd be interested in your opinion on this. Um, but I actually don't think about this from the the cost perspective. You know, I feel like this is kind of cost based thinking in terms of the the time wasted and you know uh, inefficiencies created and so on. And of course, you can calculate it, right? You can calculate how much uh, percentage of time. You know, I I I can imagine that even like fifty percent of product managers' time is just about 
communicating what you know new piece of information is there and you know updating roadmaps and all that and um, maybe there's you know studies that actually measured it precisely but that's that so if you just calculate that and you would try to put a dollar value on that you know that's gonna be just calculate the number of you know product decision makers and uh, you know how much they're costing and and you'll arrive to a you know number in hundreds of thousands of dollars actually uh, by the way you know as I mentioned it's not just the product managers because everyone kind of wants to be part of this it's the, the product marketing wants to uh, have input and understand what's going on in product management head of engineering the designers um, you know support people want to be up up to speed salespeople so there's a lot of value um, and a lot of efficiencies created and time saved in all of these conversations throughout the whole organization and obviously the whole executive team um, but the again the value if you think about it from like the value-based thinking, how much value is created, then we're we're talking about millions of dollars uh, potentially saved or, you know, value created in making the right decisions. Um, so it's you, order of magnitude higher. So you're sort of saying efficiency is not as important as doing the right thing by an order of magnitude. Exactly. And that's interesting because I would guess that a large majority of product people, whether that be executives or product managers, product leaders, they are not comfortable with the truth of the matter that most products end up not being as effective as they could be or should be. And especially for a brand new company, oftentimes that leads to the general demise of the company. Most people sort of have this blind hope that they'll eventually figure things out. And they just need to do it faster. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they need to get more clarity around how fast they can herd these cats as opposed to wondering if they should even be herding them in the right direction. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, don't take me wrong. Speed is super important, but it's it's not speed in building the stuff. It's speed in figuring out what to build. It's the speed in, you know, how quickly you can talk to the people in you know, obviously the ideal target market or, you know, to as many people as possible until you find the ideal tar target market and how fast can you understand really well the problems. All right, folks, in order to break up this exciting but wide-ranging discussion into digestible parts, we're going to wrap up this episode with a highlight of some of the actionable takeaways while saving the rest for part two. Diving right in, number one, get in the problem space, not the solution space. What does that mean? It means immerse yourself and your team in the problem that needs to be solved. Then don't devote so much of your time to the design and the solution. That's a job for the designers and the engineers. While your import, input and review is valuable, you should be focusing on articulating the problem, then giving the rest of your team space to solve it. Number two, turn your company's or your tribe's knowledge into a system. It's valuable even before it's perfect. Think about your team's knowledge, the captured information you have, as something that deserves a system of record. Hubert described how difficult it is to simply use your memory for this, especially when it's more than just you on the team. Of course, you can take a look at Product Board, but as Hubert pointed out, the system matters less than simply getting something in place. And number three. Similar to number one, finding the problem is orders of magnitude more important than how efficiently you can create a solution. Although it's hard and not very well defined, the process and results of focusing on the problem first will save time and frustration for many cycles to come and often result in better product performance. So spend some time distilling the problem from every angle 
and then disseminate it to the entire product team. It will act as a beacon of light for everyone to follow. Before we can go, we've got to ask two small favors from you. First off, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get these podcasts. It's important for us, and we want to make sure that you're always up to date. Second, we really appreciate getting your feedback on the podcast, especially giving us a rating on iTunes. We'd love to connect with you on alltheresponsibility.com or via Twitter as well. Until next time, this is Rob McGrordy and Niels Davis. Ignition.